one of the earliest parents who came to me and they were discussing this horrible, horrible kid, how horrible he was, to the point that he stole his father's keys the night before they came to me. And the father was rolling around on the concrete outside of their house on the floor, fighting, rolling around outside to try to grab the keys. And the father did everything possible physically and even even spiritually. He screamed, It still didn't help. And it was really, really bad. The relationship was, was really terrible. And I told the father, you know, that your child thinks that if you got a phone call that he got hit by a truck, God forbid, that instead of saying Baruch Dainemis, you would say Baruch Shepatrani. Thank God this nightmare is over. He burst out crying. He burst out crying. And he says, not only is that true, but I said it. I was on the phone with a friend of mine and I said, I can't take it anymore. This was a kid who a couple of years before was a top boy in yeshiva, masmid, and now he was totally off the derech and mechal everything, breaking every rule. He said, I told my friend that. I said, if he would die, I would say, Baruch Shepetrani. Thank God this pain is over. And I was horrified. And then he tells me, and not only I said it, my son overheard me. <gasps> oh, his son overheard his father say, I wish he was dead. I wish it was, I wish it was over because the father's in so much pain. I said, I don't know. This was like one of my first parents who came to me. I said, I can't imagine how much love you need to give this kid to undo that feeling. How many, how much apology and how much you need to do. But to his defense, he left my office never looking back. He left my office and just did everything he needs to to undo that message, to undo those feelings, to show his son, I love you, I like you, I'm with you. He he worked on it so much and he became his son's best friend. A couple of years later, his son became from. He didn't re-embrace our wonderful, most perfect flatbush life. He embraced more of its fast life which only includes Taryag mitzvahs, you know, Shabbos, Kashrus, and all of that, but it doesn't include the important things, like a hat and a jacket, you know. And he met, he met this wonderful girl, a daughter of a Balas Chuva family, who was like a flower child, happy girl, who never went through the system, was just like raised by hippies or something, and and they got married like on a mountain and he would go with his guitar like an hour before Shabbos and, and greet Shabbat and then they had guests coming home totally from Shemitah and Mitzvahs and a, a huge source of nachas to the parents. Ad Kedekach that the father tells me he's a very established Balabatisha, wealthy, Baltstaka in Flapush. He says, now that I'm older, I'm looking back, who says we have it right? Maybe, maybe Tzvass is better for us too. Like, why am I so sure that this blue short jacket and my, and my hat, that this is the box that is the best? He's so connected to Hashem. He does mitzvahs with such simcha. He's so excited that Shabbos is coming. And this guy tells me, I'm not as excited as my son and my other yeshivish kids. I don't know. He does mitzvahs with simcha and he's connected. His dveikus level is so high. 
The worst thing that a kid should feel, even if it's not 100%, not even 1%, that they should feel that my parents think that their life would be better if I wasn't around, even not dead, if I moved away, right? Even if I moved away, they should never feel that. I know it's painful for you. I know it's hard, but we're going to get you to de-escalate the situation and be able to live together in peace and harmony. You should never think that if something happens bad to them that you say, Baruch Shepatrani. You're totally on their side and you're, you're with them. They feel that the family picture would be perfect if I was never born. I saw a picture of a Chesidisha family, small Chesidisha family, they only have like 17 kids. And, you know, a bunch of aunts and uncles and 12 of them are married. And this picture is like gorgeous picture of like 60 family, by, by Hasana, like 60 members of the family. I don't know how that photographer with, with a small family takes them an hour. I don't know how they do that. Right. And right in the middle, it looks like they took a picture with one of the waiters. That's what it looks like. They embraced their kid and they made him comfortable and he's there. They feel like I don't belong here. They feel like I'm in, I was, the stork dropped me off in the wrong house. They feel like, like, uh, I'm so uncomfortable being here. And one kid, he got so angry at his parents that he didn't feel their love, that he went ahead and he smashed all the glass in the house. And Shomrim called me down to the house many years ago. And he ripped his face out of every picture that they had. No kid should feel that I'm a disappointment to my parents. And it's hard, and that's why we have to train. It's hard when they are a disappointment, because we love them and we want them to have a life of meaning. We want them to be able to function, and we want them to have a life with an afterlife. That's all fine, but we have to learn how to deal with those that cannot do it right now, currently, without making them feel worse about life. Because when you feel worse, you need to numb yourself even more. More bad behavior, more craziness, more drugs, more suicidalities, more, more, um, more cutting, more craziness, more violence, more dysfunction, more cutting themselves away, disconnecting from you. And none of that is good. Not emotionally, not psychologically, not psychiatrically, and not spiritually.